And welcome all who are listening here today from Columbia, Missouri, all the way down to Houston, Texas, wherever you're tuning in from. You are listening to K&C Sports. My name is Kyle Jones. I'm joined here by my good friend Cole Tucson. Cole, you got anything to say to our listeners? I'm just really excited, you know, to get this show on the road. I mean, it seemed like we started off great on the first show, and I'm just really looking forward to it to progress. All right, so uh, we've got a we got a pretty good show coming to you today here, and uh, I'll just I'm just going to give you a little bit of a rundown of the plan we have here. Cole and I are going to start off talking to you about the National Basketball Association. Specifically, that big Blake Griffin trade coming in right out of left field, in my opinion. Uh, And then, of course, James Harden, who went off on a phenomenal night last night against the Magic. And then uh, Kevin Love is out injured. We'll see what that might mean for the All-Star game. We're going to continue the show with uh, with a little bit of the National Football League building you up for the big game on Sunday night as the Patriots take on the Eagles. What is the key to the game for each team? What do they need to do to win? We're going to talk about some... Uh, we're going to go across the pond uh, later on in the show and uh, talk to you about... The European Transfer Deadline Day, of course, you know, European soccer is wrapping up their big, uh, the big tra- January transfer window for uh, for this month. And uh, we'll be running down, you know, who's going where, what the you know, repercussions are from all that. And then uh, we're going to close out the show breaking down Mizzou basketball, of course, the Tigers uh are you know, on you know kind of a slump right now. They're not playing very well, and you know to make matters worse, the Tigers have also lost Terrence Phillips. Uh, you know, we'll we'll go into what losing him means for the team, how he will be replaced, what you know what the Tigers are going to have to do to respond to that. But uh, other than that, I mean that we've got a great show for you coming up. Uh, I thank you. We both thank you. Cole and I for uh, for joining us on this good evening in Columbia, Missouri. Weather's been nice to us today. Uh, I've, I felt happy walking around to my classes, and hopefully this uh, this good mood weather is going to translate to some uh, some good mood in the studio today. But uh, we'll be starting off right after a couple of messages. We will be right back. And we are back here on KNC Sports. My name is Kyle Jones. I'm joined by Cole Tusing. And uh, Cole, as I said before, we're going to start out the show today talking about something that uh, I never expected, honestly. I, I didn't ever think it would happen. Blake Griffin is no longer a member of the Los Angeles Clippers. I, that, I didn't at all expect that. I don't think anyone expected that, especially uh, Blake Griffin signed this massive, like, Matt's contract, and uh, he met with the owners in an NBA interview, and I can't remember who the NBA, who the Clippers owner is off the top of my head, but he was saying that because uh, Blake Griffin signed a Matt's contract, he was a Clipper for life, and one year later, that completely 
small balled out of control in my opinion. Right, and you know, this this isn't like some other, you know, big trade deals where say, you know, LeBron who, you know, went to Miami and got called a snake and all of that. Uh this isn't, you know, Kevin Durant leaving the Thunder. This was this was not Blake Griffin's decision as I as I understand. This is a this was an organizational thing. And frankly, I don't understand the logic in trading your biggest star. I don't understand that either. I mean, I don't understand it because of all the assets you lost already. They lost Chris Paul, who we'll be getting to him a lot later in the show. Uh, now Blake Griffin's gone, and there have been rumors that DeAndre Jordan might leave to Houston, San Antonio, maybe Los Angeles. I don't know, but... This this, this Clippers team is falling apart, essentially. It is, and absolutely, and... I just feel like what you got it is a good trade. I mean, you get Tobias Harris, Avery Bradley, who are great players, very underrated, but I just feel like they're in a rebuilding mode right now, and I just feel like it – I don't feel like they won the trade. You So so you you're, you think that the Pistons won this one? I actually do not think the Pistons won either. I mean – So, so what, what you're saying is that – no team really came out the better out of this thing. This was a dumb trade and never should have happened. Absolutely, because I look at this trade, and the first thought in my head when I saw this trade was I thought of the OKC trade with how when they acquired Paul George and Carmelo Anthony, yes, having Blake Griffin in Detroit, that will sell more tickets, you know, having him with Andre Drummond. That will sell more tickets, but when you're in the Eastern Conference and you're competing with the Boston Celtics, the Toronto Raptors are relevant this year, the well, the Cleveland Cavaliers have seen better days. The Washington Wizards, Chicago Bulls are rebuilding. They just won't be able to compete with those younger teams who are making more progression in the rebuilding mode, in my opinion. So I, I totally agree with you. This is this, and I, I said earlier in the show, you know, came out of left field for me, and I, I think this is, you know, this is a dumb move by the Clippers. But anyway, so we are going to uh, transition a little bit now talking about, you know, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Chris Paul, and of course Chris Paul has left the Clippers for uh, my hometown, Houston Rockets. So uh, let's talk about one of his teammates, James Harden. The man dropped 60 points in a triple-double. First time to ever do, anyone has ever done that in NBA history, set a franchise point record. Is he like? Is he an MVP candidate? Like, how high is he now? Is he is he a lock yet? I I want to say he's a lock. I mean, I definitely think that this definitely increases his chance of becoming an MVP. Now, I've read articles about probably from Orlando because pretty biased saying that sure he scored sixty points. It was a triple double, you know, highest NBA history. But it was against the Orlando Magic, which I think is. Absolutely makes no sense because 60 points triple-double is 60 points triple-double. He was snubbed last year from MVP, and I think this year he deserves it because he's playing phenomenal, and Houston is deserving of it because that's why they're able to beat teams like the Golden State Warriors. Exactly. You know, like— and uh, this is this is you know you, you talked about the Orlando Magic article being biased. This is this is like the definition. I mean, I'm from Houston, so I I I just really can't say much that doesn't sound biased. But James Harden was he, he shot he, he played 46 minutes last night against against the Magic, 
and he shot 63%, you know, highest percentage on the team. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, he was 357 from three-point range. He only missed one of his free throws. But, like, 60 points in a game. Like, are you kidding me? Plus, not only the 60 points, which was, as I'm going to say again, franchise record, 10 rebounds, 11 assists, and... For all this, for all the, you know, for all the, you know, just mess he gets about, you know, not being good on defense, he had four steals. He had one block. I mean, yeah, that's not very good. But at the same time, you know, if if you're going to be putting up that big of offensive numbers, then your defense, you know, your defensive side can lack a little bit because you've you've got the offensive production to, you know, to make up for it. Now, I'm not. I'm a Chicago Bulls fan. I'm not a Houston Rockets fan. But now, you were we were talking about this a little bit earlier of how is this you know the the winning edge is this what he needs to do to win his first ever regular season MVP because he's been in the conversation for years and he's never won it and people would argue that he should have won it last year. I just feel like I'm still thinking Yas is going to win MVP this year, but. I just feel like 60-point performance against your Orlando Magic, that's amazing everything. But I feel like we may be getting a little bit too hard of ourselves. And I want to say that because if we remember in the year 2013-2014 when Carmelo Anthony and the New York Knicks were relevant, Carmelo Anthony was dropping like 40, 50, sometimes 60 points a night. And everyone's saying, he's up for MVP, he's up for MVP, you know, no one else is going to win. And... Or it turns out to be LeBron James. And, you know, that's, of, of course, it'll always, you know, there's there's always the, the LeBron factor, there's always the Steph factor, and there's always the Russell, well, not even, not this season, really. I was going to say there's always the Russell Westbrook factor, but there, there's not this season. Thunder haven't been good enough to justify Russell Westbrook giving, you know, getting an MVP. The Rockets, on the other hand, I'm not going to say they've been dominant because by no means they have they. they. They have not been dominant. But they've scored two wins over Golden State, two very solid wins. They're, you know, they're one of the best teams in the Western Conference. Harden is a big part of that. Harden just came off of injury, what, like not even two weeks ago? And he's already back to scoring 60 points a game? Like I'm sorry, I just I can't I can't feasibly make a an argument that says he can't be MVP. But we all know it's the MVP, you know, and NBA and everything. Sorry, we all know it's the NBA and anything can happen. I mean, let's remember last year how Joel Embiid was the clear candidate for Rookie of the Year, but then goes down with an injury, and it goes to well deserved Malcolm Brogdon from the Milwaukee Bucks. Right, and you're right. Speaking of uh, anything happening and players going down with the injuries, uh, Kevin Love suffered a uh, hand injury uh, playing for the Cavs, and uh, that means he will probably be out for the All Star game, as I, uh, as I'm, you know, as I understand it. So, who replaces him? CP3 has been snuffed from the All Star game, and that seems to be the clear favorite. I think it's time for him to go in. There, there have been two other injuries uh, to All Stars so far. Who, uh, 
Was it uh, Bradley Beal? Uh, John Wall got injured, and Andre Drummond replaced him, and DeMarcus Cousins. DeMarcus Cousins, you're right. Yeah, yeah, Boogie. But uh, honestly, there's no reason, especially now when Kevin Love is out. And we talked about this last week, and once again, this is a rocket, so I really, you know, I feel so biased saying this, but the numbers back me up. You know, the numbers back me up. Like, why isn't Chris Paul a, an all-star? Honestly, the numbers are so heavily in his favor. Like, he's had such a he's had such a great year. He's one of the biggest reasons why the Rockets are the are the Rockets this year. Yeah, you know, why why Houston has some has some hope, honestly. I mean, we've Rockets fans have been so just I mean, we we they've made the playoffs a lot, but other than that, I mean, it's just kind of been, you know, it's it's always been the shared understanding that all right, the Rockets are going to make it to you know maybe the Western Conference Finals, but we'll get beat by the Warriors. I but, totally understand that, and you know, I've been getting or I've you know been looking up this this up. I literally can't speak right now, and. You know, with Kevin Love going down to injury, there's obviously the clear candidates as to who will replace Kevin Love in the All-Star game. And I've been reading constant reports saying that it will not be Chris Paul, but it will be from the Charlotte Hornets, none other than Kemba Walker. What the, What in the world has Kemba Walker done this season that's relevant has Kemba Walker beaten the Warriors twice? I don't think so. Does Kemba Walker have 19.4 points per game? I don't think so. Is Kemba Walker 92% from the th- free throw line? I don't think so. It makes... I'm, I'm just stunned. I, I literally cannot understand. There has to be, like... I don't know. Maybe it's uh, maybe this is my rocket bias coming out. Maybe, you know, if it is, all right. You know, grill me for it, and you know, I I admit full responsibility for my actions. But what in the world? I'm mad about this, honestly. I mean, because like Chris Paul, because James Harden hasn't been healthy this season. Like he's had quite a few stints where he's had to rest and he's been out injured and yet when that happens the Rockets don't just automatically become some you know some garbage team some you know some Brooklyn net you know equivalent this is you know this is still a team that even without James Harden wins and the reason they do that is Chris Paul that's true and if you don't mind, all the listeners watching, can you read off Chris Paul's stats right now, averaging up until the All-Star game and as to why he should be in there as opposed to Kemba Walker? All right. Chris Paul this season has 32 minutes per game. I don't know how much that really matters. But uh, 19.4 points per game. What's Kemba's? Uh, Kemba's is 35 minutes a game and 22 points a game. All right, so he plays a little bit more and he, he shoots about three points more. That makes sense. Rebounds per game for Chris Paul, 5.7. 3.5 for Kemba Walker. All right, so Chris Paul gets more rebounds. Assists per game? Uh, 
Chris Paul gets an 8.6. So there's only one category that Kimball leads in, and that's three points more per game, and Kimba is playing three extra minutes per game. So, like, okay, he gets one extra point per minute. You know, all right. But Chris Paul is the better player in literally every other category. Here, let's let's do another number. Uh, field goal percentage. What's Kempas? Forty-two percent. All right, Chris Paul's forty-six. How about three pointers? Thirty-five percent. Forty for Chris Paul. The numbers don't lie. So, if Kemba Walker replaces Kevin Love in the All Star game and Chris Paul does not make it, does it prove that Adam Silver and the NBA Commission is rigged against Houston? Ah, uh, I hate to make takes like that. That's, I mean. I think that the numbers don't lie. The numbers don't lie, and that's true. But I also don't want to say the NBA is rigged. You know, that's that's Aisha Curry's deal. Um, what I will say is that there's definitely some sort of, you know, flaw might be the wrong word, but definitely, you know, the way that the All Star Game is selected, the way that replacements for these players are selected. I don't know if it's necessarily rigged against Houston. I think it's definitely, uh, there's definitely a flaw in the system. Rigged, I think, is the wrong word. I think flawed is the better one. If you, because, I mean, look at the numbers. Look at the literal numbers. Chris Paul is better than Kemba Walker. And I will be livid. I, 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 love, I love using that word when I can. I will be livid. If Chris Paul does not take Kevin Love's spot. All right, so going on to the All Star game. So we talked about Kevin Love a bit. We talked about Chris Paul and why he should be in. So do you agree that Paul George should be in the All Star game? No. Frankly, he's just like. Paul George has just been there, honestly. You know, it's not like so. So, so this this totally shows who who won the trade for the between for the the Paul George trade, right? Between the Pacers and the Thunder, you look at Paul George for OKC hasn't been really doing anything much. Victor Oladipo, on the other hand, for the Pacers has been lighting it up. Like I, I just Paul George hasn't done anything. He's not an All Star. I don't you know when I. When I get on ESPN.com in the morning, I look at, you know, what happened in the NBA today? I don't see anything about Paul George. I see stuff about Giannis. I see stuff about Porzingis, Harden, CP3. Nothing really about, you know, nothing about Paul George. Anyway, so uh, we're going to take a little break here. When we come back, we're going to build you up for the big game on Sunday. We'll be right back. And we are back here on KNC Sports. My name is Kyle Jones. I am joined by Cole Tusing. And Cole, there's a big thing going on on Sunday. Do you want to tell everybody what it is? It is Super Bowl 52, Kyle. Ha-ha, the big game of the year with all the camaraderie, the halftime shows, the, the big ads, the parties, and the Philadelphia Eagles will be taking on the New England Patriots. Going into the game, you know, given the history, given who's playing, it seems like there's only one winner. But I hate that. I am so against 
this this you know idea that Tom Brady is always gonna win. Honestly, like it's so cliche. It's it's gotten boring. You know, you 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 know, people are talking about how the the NFL's ratings are down. You want to know why? It's not because you know anthem protests. It's not because of injuries. It's because the same thing happens every year. Like you you, you want to know who's gonna win the Super Bowl next year, Cole? I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a take right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a page out of your book and make a hot take. You know you know who's gonna win the Super Bowl next year? Cleveland Browns. No, the New England Patriots. It's always going to be the New England Patriots. And that's why we don't watch football anymore. It's because of stuff like this. Because the Patriots are back in the Super Bowl again. And frankly, I'm tired of it. They're just too good. Like, the rest of the NFL needs just, just should hang their heads in shame at the fact that no one else can get into the Super Bowl. The AFC, the rest of the AFC should be ashamed that they haven't, after you know playing the Patriots for a good 10 years now, no one has found a solution. That's so true, though. And I honestly totally agree with your point. Like, I mean, I do have respect for Tom Brady. I can't say he's the GOAT, but I just, I totally agree with what they're saying. Like, it just gets boring seeing the same team over and over and over and win a lot of the time. Like, at this point, it's not even the Super Bowl. It's what team can the Patriots face off on a Sunday? Exactly. Like, like, you know, it's I, I'm I'm always surprised every year that the Patriots don't go undefeated. Like it's so so I I, I will come I will come forward here. Um, I I participate this season in a football pool with uh with my girlfriend's family. You know, we we picked a we picked a winner for uh for each you know for each game, and you know we you know, who you know who wins each game. I don't think it was one week where I actually bet against the New England Patriots the entire season. You just can't do that. You literally can't. It's like, it's not humanly possible. I feel morally conflicted because I know if I do that, ultimately I will lose. But anyway, so obviously the Patriots are, you know, the heavily favored team. What do the Eagles need to do to stop the Patriots, to flip the narrative and finally give us some variety? Well, let's look at what the Jacksonville Jaguars could do, could have done up until the very end. So let's look at New England. New England is ranked one of the worst rushing defenses in the entire NFL. So what you got to do, Philadelphia, if you're listening, you have to run the ball up the middle as much as you got. You got to pound it. And one other thing, New England do not give them any second chances in the second half, especially the fourth quarter, because that's when Tom Brady and Bill Belichick will literally turn on switch and it'll be unstoppable. You you literally can't get the Patriots a sliver of hope, because as long as Tom Brady is living and breathing and playing football, the Patriots have a chance. We learned that last year in Houston. We learned that against Jacksonville a couple weeks ago. And honestly... I could see it happening again. I think the Eagles could actually probably go up ahead early in this game. I think they're going to use the run game. I think that Nick Foles is going to have some lucky breaks and get some good passes downfield. But ultimately, we're going to have the same old storyline again where big Tom Brady comes in and takes over the game and literally makes the world his own, conquers the whole darn planet, and wins the Super Bowl again. Why? Because it's Tom Brady. 
Like, literally, they, I can't... You, 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 he's done so much that you can no longer just say, oh, Tom Brady's, you know, a great quarterback because he throws the ball well downfield and he knows how to go through his progressions and he has great vision. It's more than that. He's, like, he's this superhuman entity that, like, you know, he he transcends just being good. He transcends just being great. I mean, like, there's I, I, I can no longer ever believe that there can be an argument that he's not the greatest football player of all time. He is. It's it's no questions asked. I don't care how many rings he wins or doesn't win. I don't care about his record in Super Bowls. He is the best of all time. He's the greatest football player to ever set foot. And honestly, he might be the greatest that will ever. There might not be someone who comes along that is better than him. All right, so Philadelphia definitely has to pursue the run game and not give New England any hope. Now, I will say the statistics, and I want you to give your take on it. So every QB who has led the NFL in passing and play in the Super Bowl in the same season are 0-5 and five in the Super Bowl. Dan Marino in 1984 lost the Super Bowl. Kurt Warner in 01 lost the Super Bowl. Gannon in 02 lost the Super Bowl. Tom Brady in 07 lost the Super Bowl. Peyton Manning against the Seahawks lost the Super Bowl. Tom Brady this year. I that number honest, honestly with the way he's playing, with the way this Patriots team is playing, with their ability to come back from literally anything that's thrown at them. I mean, just look at last year. 28 to 3. 28 to 3. They had 3 points in the first over the first half. Like that game was the Falcons. And yet still, the Falcons do not have a ring from last year. Why? Tom Brady. And also a really lucky catch that uh, you know will go down as one of the craziest catches in history. But who had to throw the ball to get that catch? Tom Brady. It, the numbers against him just don't... Like, you can't throw numbers against Tom Brady anymore. You know, you can throw numbers against Deshaun Watson. You can throw numbers against Drew Brees. I mean, you can, you can throw statistics against, obviously, Nick Foles. But with Brady, it's different because he is this guy that just transcends the game, you know? He, like, he's he's superhuman. He's, he, you know, you know in, in soccer, we have Lionel Messi, right? And Messi is the greatest player to ever step on a pitch. He is magical. If you've never been able to see Messi play live or even just, like, watch Messi play on TV, like, the man just, he's, he's a magician. I don't know how he does it. Tom Brady is the NFL's equivalent of Lionel Messi. So with that said, what do the Patriots need to do to win this game? <laughs> well, I think let's look at what they did last year against the Atlanta Falcons being down 28-3 to in the second half. And against Jacksonville, be under the radar, start trailing the second half, look like you're going to not put up any prediction in the third quarter. In the fourth quarter, have a meeting with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, turn on a switch, Tom Brady throws every pass completion, and them, you win the Super Bowl. It's pretty much what it is. You're right. I mean, it's it's so at this point, it's so easy to just draw it out, you know, like Gronkowski. So so here's here's one thing that I just kind of popped into my head 
Uh, one player that is still kind of on the fence about uh, his participation in the Super Bowl, Rob Gronkowski, uh, still on the concussion protocol. Do you think he plays? And if he does, how much of a difference does he make? I think he does play. I would like him to make a big production, but I think it's ultimately going to be up to Tom Brady and Julian Edelman from last year's Super Bowl that will make the big impact. And I agree with you. I mean, like if you look at if you look at Gronk, and I love Gronk. I love watching Gronk play. I feel I feel he's just so fun to watch. But he didn't play last year, and I mean, look look at the result. We still got the same thing. So now I will ask you one thing about injuries. Gronk, who knows if he plays or not, but Darren Sproles is out for the Philadelphia Eagles, so that will diminish the run game a lot. Of course, and that, you know, honestly, with him out, that might just be the difference. You might, you know, I I don't know the odds right now, but you might as well just give it to the Patriots if they can't get their run game going. We're going to transition now to some other NFL news, some big NFL news. Once again, like, you know, off the top rope here, just like the Blake Griffin trade, Alex Smith has been traded. Your thoughts? Because I, I don't know what to think. Because this is kind of like. Definitely out of just like the Blake Griffin trade, like you said, completely out of nowhere. I mean, Alex Smith going to the Washington Redskins. I mean,. It just doesn't make sense because it didn't seem like the Washington Redskins needed a quarterback. Now, where does Kirk Cousins go? I've seen Kirk Cousins might end up in Denver, which I think is a great I, choice for I, him. Who was it? Was it Von Miller? Or it was someone on the Broncos said that they wanted Kirk. Um, I mean, I don't know how much of a how good a fit that would be for him. I mean, you know. I mean, Denver is in need of a quarterback because Brock Eisweiler. Not the answer. Yeah, Simeon, not the answer. So let, let me tell you, as someone who had to live through seeing Brock Osweiler play for my team, he's not a quarterback. He's just a guy that stands in there and occasionally throws the ball. But other than that, he's just there to get sacked. And he really doesn't know how to throw the ball when he actually does try. I mean, it, it pained me. That that one season where where the Houston Texans had Brock Osweiler, it was painful, like physically and emotionally. But back to the Kirk Cousins Al Smith trade. I mean, let's look at the Washington Redskins offense. You have Jordan Reed, who is one of the best tight ends in the NFL. You have young running back talent, young wide receivers, but I just feel like I don't feel like Alex Smith is going to mold in this system well because, I mean, Alex Smith already had Travis Kelsey, who is undoubtedly, in my opinion, the best tight end in the league. I I could debate you on that for a while. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, we we can go on about that for for a very long time. But regardless, it just doesn't make sense. It was so random and like. The timing of it was weird. I mean, we're, we're in the middle of Super Bowl week. You know, we got the big game on Sunday. I don't know why they didn't wait. I, there, was there some pressing thing that needed to be done? I don't know. It confused me, frankly. It just it just plain confused me. But uh, we're going to talk uh, when we come back about a, a different kind of football, some European football. So, uh, so stay tuned. 
This is KNC Sports on KCOU. We'll be right back. And we are back here on KCO. Sorry, K- yes, KCOU. You're listening to KNC Sports. My name is Kyle Jones. I'm joined by my good friend Cole Tucson. And Cole, do you know what today is? Give me. Do you know what today is? Uh, for all you soccer fans, it's transfer deadline day. Transfer deadline day. It's the big one. Oh, my goodness. One of the craziest days of the year. January 31st it is always full of surprises. And let's just get right to them. Cole, how much soccer do you actually watch? Just just curious. I'm going to let you take the floor. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I thought so. But uh, there's some huge moves that happened today in the footballing world. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, big Russia Dortmund star, plays with uh, plays with you know our boy Christian Pulisic over in uh, over in Germany, right? He uh, he's gone to Arsenal, and frankly, this is crazy because Arsenal has uh, you know they've they've been floundering in the league this year. Uh, they're down, I believe, in sixth now. Uh, just what they just lost to what was then last place Swansea City. I mean, they've been having a terrible time, but uh, a big move, uh, two big moves over the past couple of uh, over the past couple of weeks. Uh, you know, they brought in uh, Alexis Sanchez. Sorry, they 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 let Alexis Sanchez leave and go to Manchester United in a trade deal that brought Henrik Mkhitaryan in, and now they've gone and signed Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. Now, uh, if, if you don't remember, a couple years back, uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and Henry Mkhitaryan were teammates on Borussia Dortmund. They had this crazy good connection. It was like lightning. I, I, you know, there's few times that I've seen two players link up as well as they did. So uh, we'll have to see if they can get that chemistry back in the Premier League. Of course... Arsenal needs to fight to try to get back into the uh, into the Champions League spots. Of course, they also have the Europa League that they're playing in, and uh, we'll see if uh, we'll see if that can you know lead them to success. Another big move, also uh, related to Arsenal again. Um, they've they've been in the news. Club legend, one might say, hasn't done too. He's, he scored some crazy goals for them. Olivier Giroud going to Chelsea, going going across London to some London rivals in a big move that frankly I don't understand. He, he I he was he was low on contract, and I guess that makes sense. But Olivier Giroud is left. That means some money going into the pockets of Arsenal. Another big big kind of News coming forward: the Arsenal team that really cements their front, their front attacking force. Mesut Ozil has reportedly signed a, a deal with Arsenal that will keep him with the club till 2021. So uh, this this Arsenal team is going to have a pretty solid force with Ozil, Mkhitaryan, and then of course, uh, of course, Aubameyang. Now this is this is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Another big move uh, coming today, Andre Ayew. Now, Andre Ayew was a you know played with Swansea City for years on end. Went to West Ham and uh, didn't have the best of luck, to say the least. He uh, just wasn't very good. But uh, he's returning. He's coming back, 
and he'll be coming back to Wales. He'll be playing for Swansea, and uh, we'll have to see how that works out. Uh, there is one big deal that happened today. It was sealed today amidst some kind of shady circumstances. Cole, I'm gonna I'm gonna want you to give your give your little take on this. Kyle Laren, who uh, is a Canadian soccer star, plays for Orlando, has moved to Besiktas in Turkey. But, but, bit of controversy because Besiktas kind of hijacked the deal and unveiled him as one of their players before he had signed. So, so, what do you think of that? That's hmm. That's really a tough decision. Um. That just seems a little selfish, in my opinion, and I just feel like it was not right for him to do something like that. Well, it wasn't really his doing. It was a, it was Besiktash, the the club uh, was was doing it, but still very awkward. But anyway, that's uh that's kind of my little uh, my little transfer deadline day rundown. I I like to do that. One of my favorite times is here. But we're gonna transition now to uh, the big game tonight. Cole, what is tonight? Mizzou basketball going up against Alabama. Yes, sirree. The Alabama Crimson Tide in Tuscaloosa. Tigers coming off of two straight losses. First time that's happened all season. So, uh, Cole, what do the Tigers need to do? Well, um, first thing you have to do is you have to adjust your guard play a bit, and you either have to ride it all the way with Cassius Roberson or go with Jordan Geist. In my opinion, I think you should go with Cassius Conza Martin, but that's just me. I agree. Geist has been just very inconsistent. Uh, that's not to say he's terrible. He, he's had his, you know, he's had his games where he's been good, but uh. So far, I mean, you just can't really justify giving him praise at all. He's been so poor. It's sad. You know, you want it. You want a guy. You want a guy to be good. You always want to. You always want you know a guy to be good because, frankly, you know everyone deserves to be good. But guys, just has been so bad. Has been so bad, and I'm I'm sad about it. You know. Like, let me let me just I'm gonna give you some numbers uh, in just a second, Cole. Tell us, tell us, you know, what you think is gonna happen uh, in tonight's game. Well, I think Mizzou is going to pull off a W against Tuscaloosa, and I think what you have to do is you have to focus on using your big man. And using Jonte Porter and Jordan Barnett to your advantage. Like, Jonte Porter is capable of, we've seen it in South Carolina against Tennessee, against Iowa State even. Like, he can put up numbers. He can give you rebounds. Jordan Barnett is very capable. He is the, in my opinion, the best player on the team. He is capable of putting up 15, 20 points a night. We saw him have a career night against that very debatable Florida ending. And I just feel like, Jeremiah Tillman, not only is he have he has the body to be the most unlucky basketball player I've ever seen in the college world, but if he stays out of foul trouble, which nine times out of ten he does anyway, just being unlucky with the refs, the team performs and he does well. 
Right. So another thing that has been very troubling, extremely troubling, about this Tiger team this season, at least over the past couple of games, turnovers. It's been so bad. It's it's been it's looked like Matt Schaub was throwing the footballs out there on the basketball court. You know, pick sixes every day. But so turnovers for this Tiger basketball team has been just just terrible. It one of the big guys, of course, responsible as you mentioned before, Jordan Geist. Now with turnovers, that is true. That's been a problem, but. For those of you who don't know, it has been a problem since the Iowa State game. We've it's, been giving up turnovers. But for whatever reason, ever since the AM game, I would argue, it's been like historically bad. It's been terrible. Cole, I, I, I want you to guess how many turnovers Geist had last season. Last season, not this one, last. One or two is my guess. No, really? Yes. Really? And I think this season he has seven. For turn turnover turnovers per game yes. or turnovers as in turnovers? Turnovers as in per game, turnovers. Okay, so I, I, I'm not looking for per game. I'm looking for total turnovers. Tur- total turnovers all of last season. Ten. Ten? Wow, that's, that's really generous. All of last season. Nope, 38. Which makes sense. We were the Tigers are terrible last season. How many do you think he has so far this season? Sixty. How how many? Sixty. Okay, so so there we go. That's that's a number. No, thirty five. But so what I'm trying to get across here is he has he essentially has the same amount of turnovers so far this season than he had all of last year. And the Tigers still have almost a whole half a season to go. Now, let's compare it last season since you brought it up. Last season, we won two games in conference, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Eight games collectively as a season. This season, we're a lot better. We're still in the running to be in March Madness. We are currently projecting an eighth seed? No, we're, we're in the first four out now. Oh. We we tigers tigers dropped after after the the last L that we took, but uh, that doesn't you know the season's long. We there's still quite a bit of time to change that. Of course, you know a conference championship win wouldn't hurt, but uh, that's never gonna happen. I have a man can dream, but uh, if MPJ comes back, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be funny. That'd I'm, be cool. I'm still hoping. I'm. Stay to my know. word. I know. I I I pray. I pray every night to the basketball gods to to bring MPJ health, that he may be himself and be strong and come back and bring glory to this Mizzou Tiger basketball team. But that's why he came here. He wanted to set a legacy. <laughs> yeah, I wish. I really wish. Anyway, um, we're gonna take a short little break here. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking a little bit more about Mizzou basketball. So uh, stick around. And we are back here on KNC Sports. We uh, Before the break, Cole and I were talking about Mizzou basketball. Tonight, of course, the big game in Tuscaloosa against the Alabama Crimson Tide. And uh, Cole, you kind of already ran through your, uh, your keys to victory for the Tigers. But... Uh, Let's talk a little bit more about why they probably won't win. 
Interesting thoughts. I I'm after two losses against teams like you know A and M A and M destroyed the Tigers. Frankly, they've just looked so bad. It's it's just been and you know for all the good that Kahn's has done to this team and I mean it's the turnaround has been phenomenal since last season. I mean Conso has come in and totally flipped the script and I'm loving it. But this is a rough spot, and uh, you know that after after tonight, the Tigers, you know, finally come home, and will be playing Kentucky. And frankly, I'm scared, man. I don't want to go to a game and watch us get just absolutely just bulldozed. So what what do the Tigers need to fix, and why might not they be able to do it tonight? Well, first of all, uh, my key success for why the Tigers will win tonight is, first of all, you got to utilize your two leading scorers right now, Jordan Barnett and Jonte Porter. We've seen what they can do against South Carolina, all these other teams. They, they are very capable of scoring from anywhere on the court, and you got to utilize them. Jeremiah Tillman, Nine times out of ten, when he's called for a foul, it is not a foul. It's just because he has such a big body and is so unlucky. But if he can somehow stay out of foul trouble, that will also lead to sets. Plus, Cassius Robertson knocking down a few threes, you know, here and there, not committing way too many turnovers. That's the key to assess. That's how we play. We just got to play our game. And you bring up Kanzo Martin. One. Conzo Martin, whenever he coaches, averages at least 20 wins per season. Right now, the Tigers have 13? Uh, let me check that. I believe, you're, I believe you're right. Yeah, 13-8 is the record. So, seven more would put the Tigers at Conzo's average. Of course, if the Tigers were to make a tournament, either the NIT or March Madness, you know, the NCAA tournament, he could potentially get more wins. I wouldn't be against that. That'd be nice. But uh, either way, uh, you, you talk about you know the leading scores for the Tigers and you know how you know how they're gonna you know come in and be effective. So, who do you think has to have the biggest night of everybody in order for this Tiger team to win? I, I'll I'll tell you something right now. Uh, the Tigers uh, in the spread are plus plus five point five. Uh, ESPN has the Tigers at a thirty one point two percent chance of winning this matchup. So who has to step up in order to make sure that that thirty one point two comes true and that the Tigers actually win? Well, first of all, I would like to say I do not trust ESPN stats because it said we had a. 75% chance at winning Bragger Whites against Illinois, and we all saw how that turned out. Yeah, so I do not find the ESPN circle to be reliable. Of course. And second of all, I think the man who's got to do it is Michael Porter Jr. No. no. <laughs> His brother, Jonte Porter, has got to um, step yeah. up. Like we saw against South Carolina, he's got to do it. He almost, he almost just made me freak out i was about to flip uh, you know the whole columbia exploded hearing that mpj well play tonight ah uh, yes breaking news <laughs> once again michael porter jr out anyway um 
so this this matchup, you know, we can look at Alabama, and Alabama has a pretty good record, fourteen and seven. Who stands out for you on this Alabama team? I know uh, who is uh, Sexton, I believe is his name, right? Colin Sexton. Yeah, absolutely. 18.5 points a game, which is really, really good. (laughs) Um, But is there anyone else that you kind of see making a big difference for Bama? Anyone who's made headlines that you've seen? In my opinion, Alabama is, at least in basketball terms, the Oklahoma of the SEC where Setston is Trey Young and everyone else on Bama is everyone else in Oklahoma. Like it's Setston's show in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. And if you look at the if you look at the numbers, Sexton almost has ten more points per game than everyone else on the team. I mean it's 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 not you can't even compare it anymore. I mean he's he runs that squad. It's just like Trey Young. I mean you you you, you mentioned Trey Young and you know, he, he he's in the running for the Wooden Award, is he not? Yes, he is. And I could see him winning it, but do I see? Do I see? Um, do I see OU winning the national championship? Of course not. I don't even think they make it past the second round in the tournament. Why? Trey Young is great, but you can't just have Trey Young and make that the whole team. Just plain and simple. Now, before we close off the show. I gave my take on what the Tigers need to do to be successful against Alabama. What is your take? Minimize turnovers, of course. Um, that's just been such a big problem this season. Um, but yes, they have to minimize the turnovers by you know a mile. Just just focus on that. Uh, Jeremiah Tillman's going to have to get lucky because uh, when he's not lucky. That means that it's a regular day, and uh, he's getting called for you know however many fouls he'll get called on. Um, Jonte has to make his shots. I know uh, one of the issues is first half offense. Tigers haven't been able to get anything started in the first half over the past two games. If you look, it's just been slow. Nothing has fallen. Frankly, it's been ugly. So the Tigers need to make sure that they get their first off their first half offense rolling. That's absolutely true. I mean, like, you look at – that is true, absolutely. I mean, I don't know what I'm saying. So <laughs> if we remember the first half you bring up, which is absolutely a great point because in the first half against Tennessee, we were down, like, 20-7 to 7 or something like that in the beginning. It was bad. Like, the Tigers only averaged, like, 30 points in the first half or something like that, which is – not good at all. All right. So uh, we're going to do a little flip back to the Super Bowl since we're coming to the end of our show here. So before we sign off, uh, Cole, Super Bowl score prediction. Eagles are up in the third quarter, 21-10. to 10. Pats do what they do, 21-7 to 7 Pats. 21-17 Pats? 21-27, I mean. 21-27 Pats. All right. I think it'll be I think I agree with that. That's that's a solid prediction. Anyway, that is all the time that we have here on KNC Sports. Thanks for joining us. I've been Kyle Join Jones. I've been joined by Cole Tusing. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will we will talk to you next week.